Gyal. Uh, welcome to Helltech with Purpose. See, Gyal. Uh, before we move ahead and learn more about you and your company, uh, I would just like to understand, you know, a quick background of yours, uh, you know, and get a quick intro from your end. No, so in in a quick way, so I'm a biomedical engineer, uh, or as a background that starts studying already doing the masters and move into uh, doing a PhD uh, on how to regulate innovation. So how how you could make sure that you bring innovation into into uh, patients, uh, into people, especially in healthcare, um, when you are dealing with innovation, because there is a here a regulatory um fundamentals of bringing something that is safe and is quality that's what it means it, it does but often we we face the challenge of not being able to have all the evidence um ahead and and this has been my interests from early days on how to move technology into in into the markets when you are dealing with risk that you cannot assess fully you need to live with it uh i think the 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 best example we had of, of, of this challenge was the vaccine for COVID that was brought to market in six months um, with a lot of uncertainties. Um, but in, in a nutshell, if you waited uh, more two years or three years or 10 years when how certain medicines take, how many people have died uh, without the vaccine? So this is the balance that's, that uh, I'm always interested um, and based on, on this, I've been working several years uh, in, in digital health uh, fields, creating my um, own startups, working in uh, ecosystems or in incubators and accelerators uh, in Europe, uh, working with big companies on, on helping them to design business models. And more recently, uh, I founded Compliar. Um, that is focused on supporting companies to comply with uh, the regulations uh, that are um, that cover software as a medical device, uh, both in Europe, US, all around the world. And my role is as chief innovation officer, so I'm mostly concerned um, on the impacts of, of of the changes that are happening, how we connect that with the changes that are happening on technology. Um, and at the same time, helping to build a digital platform on our back uh, that supports this work that we mostly do now as consultants, but we always say we get, want to get rid of consultants uh, and automatize most of things because the, to help to reduce the burden and the cost of compliance to make it more accessible. So this is in a nutshell my background and what I do. Amazing. Uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. And, you know, moving ahead, would like to know a little bit more about what Complier is doing, uh, you know, and uh, maybe, you know, if you could help everybody understand a little bit more in depth about Complier, uh, that would help. Yes. So, uh, we, uh, our team, we started working uh, on the regulatory compliance uh, teams of, of digital health companies, and we, and we found out that there was a big challenge of a lot of things being updated, being discussed, how to do things, and at the same time we are stuck inside a single company, learning a lot, but only being able to apply to to it to a single uh, uh, situation. So we decided to move out of of of, of uh, the companies and 
focus on how can you automate many of the tasks that you are doing um, internally in those companies that were kind of uh, manual still um, and how could we connect that with access to the most updated information so you don't need to be an expert in, in everything to be able to, to, to run your business and build your products. Uh, similar, uh, similar to for, you don't need to be an accountant or a lawyer to, to comply with the law when you have a company, but you have experts that are working on what is happening, the changes and, and guiding you through, through the process. What we want is to make sure that this becomes as more automated and digital as possible. Um, and this has been our focus on building this platform at Compliar. But at the same time, since we are being focused on digital health and software, we came across a, a situation where many of the people are not familiar on how to build software uh, and, uh, and digital health products and the compliance part of it. So we start having a lot of requests, uh, especially in the Portuguese ecosystem, but we are working companies from Romania, Italy, Estonia, US, UK that face the same challenges that are used. They, some of them are used to the more traditional medical devices. But when it comes down to software, um, it's something they are not uh, so much aware because a lot of the players in the market, they are they come from a more pharmaceutical backgrounds, um, less from the engineering. So we start working with many companies in a more one-to-one uh, -one relationship where we discuss the product, we help them to design the product, we help them to build the product uh, in a compliant way. Um, and this has been a lot of the activities that we've been doing at Compliar in these two verticals. Although, as I told you in the beginning, our goal is to kill the consultant uh, in, the in the sense, avoid that the consultant needs to do the repetitive work and supporting the basic things and leave it to, to work on the expert parts, on the, on the topics that you really need to, to put your minds together. How do I design this? How do I collect evidence for this? Uh, the, the really challenging parts that especially now AI is bringing us. Um... Amazing, amazing. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned you have built a platform, right? Uh, can you can you give us an example or how a user or somebody who's building a product would, uh, you know, how a uh, company would help them? Do they have to, you know, answer certain questions on the platform and then, you know, it goes from there? So, you know, if you can explain a bit, that would be really great. No, uh, the traditional way you do a medical device, um, imagine that you're doing a, uh, this is a factory uh, and, and you need to keep records of uh, how how people in, 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 in the floor are building that products like a prosthetics or pacemaker, like how they're going to assemble it, what is the design, uh, what what will what will be the components? How do you choose the components that will be used using? And then when it uh, it comes out of, of of the factory floor, you need to check the quality uh, to make sure it works um, and so on. And this is the basics of, of usually was the medical device. When we come to a software, uh, the factory often is all inside your computer. Uh, the manufacturing is the same time what you are doing as a design, because there is not is producing 1,000 units 
is the same code is the same basis yep. so what we what we help is to make sure that you compile all the information about the design and the development what the user wants what do you decide to do as specification where is it in the in the code so you can keep trace uh, uh, tracing everything so eventually if some, something fails it's easier for you to go back um, and understand what was poorly the, the, what you need to improve what you need to fix and the challenge is after having this this mapping you need to collect that in the technical documentation that you'll submit to the regulatory authorities and moving into into that is something that if you are building a a, a, a pacemaker that will be in the market for 20 years uh, is something that takes time but you do it once but uh, you know uh, much better than me doing software that's you are releasing a new product let's say every two weeks uh, probably and you need to keep a lot of this documentation updated and that becomes a nightmare if you do it the old way factory way that was paper um, today a lot of people already use google docs or sharepoint and they have online documents but it's still paper based in the sense that if you change in, something in, in in one document you need to then update it in another document we are speaking about the pile of one meter some of the times of paper if you print it so imagine that yeah. a lot of people just spend their time uh updating versions of products across documents or updating uh, titles of of requirements across documents that is not uh, any uh, does not bring any value to you so um when we bring that into a digital platform where everything is connected the information in different parts are related with each other it makes much easier when you update something you know that every part that is that is connected with that is is uh, fully updated and that is the experience that is what people um, get when they use uh, our tool. Uh, what we are bringing on top of that is the challenge that many of uh, our clients are building a medical device for the first time. So when we yeah. ask them to, to list risks that, they, that may be related with their products, um, they tend to be quite naive or quite basic on the things they list. So our goal is how can you use AI on con learning what their product is because they already fill out a, a lot of information about it um, and suggest things that are related with their product that we know that other similar products are in the area are known risks, things that may be relevant. So we can improve the quality of, of people products because we bring these insights that often are only accessible for people already experts in the fields uh, and with this this way lowering the, um, the thresholds of you having a, a really uh, true and thought uh, analysis of a good design and development without needing to rely in big experts uh, that's that have I've been building medical devices for years and can quickly do it and more easily do it do it so we can lower the threshold of 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 access of good practice um good thinking on medical devices uh, on software uh using these ai components that enhances and enrich what you've been doing and filling out so in the end the goal is have for you to having a documentation that you can maintain and keep during the lifetime of your product but at the same time an easy way of submitting those 
documentations to competent authorities and regulatory authorities so you get FDA approval, C marking, uh, other kind of approvals that you need around the world for a medical device to be legally sold into the market. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, sounds sounds very, very interesting. And uh, I think as uh, as I said, uh, you know, it's with, with all the software and hardware uh, catching each other and, you know, technology enhancing, uh, it is probably the need of the day to simplify uh, some of these compliance side of things so that, you know, uh, there is a little bit more clarity on how to go about, uh, you know, these aspects, right? So you mentioned about AI, uh, right, uh, which, is, which is pretty interesting. So I would like to understand your take on generative AI in healthcare and uh, you know any so so first of all what do you feel about generative ai uh, especially when it comes to healthcare and then we will talk about certain challenges and opportunities around it no we as, as we as we start to work in software and digital health our main focus has, uh, has been quite around ai ai in the sense that typically when we look into the software um, um, in medical devices, you are looking to small calculators or or basic algorithms that you could assess. That's one plus one equal to two, uh, and and this is the basic of, of being compliant. You need to show that if you say that you are a calculator that uh, takes one plus one and gives two, you need to show that it really works. The challenge when you bring a, um, AI is that you're saying that, okay, you give me your age, your, your, your genetic information, um, your blood sample results, and you give you the risk of you having this disease. Um, and this goes often beyond the simple ifs and that's or basic calculations. And, and, be, and it becomes really tricky on making sure that when you use especially uh, um, neural networks or, or, or more advanced AI setups, that you, you can guarantee to a, uh, to a regulatory agency that uh, when you have this input, you'll have these outputs. And, and you could validate that those outputs, that risk is something really uh, not only uh valid uh, and 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 you have this efficacy of, of the results but you have a consistency that you will not just say to someone uh, a wrong result that can lead to, to someone harm this has been the challenge of ai uh with 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 let's say machine learning uh you have usually this part of you train an algorithm then you just test that that algorithm so it's not too different from you having a new material that you came out. Now you're going to, to do all the tests to that material to make sure it does not break, that it, it holds off, um, but it stays usually that way. When you want to improve your algorithm, you have more data, you need to retrain your AI, you you again, you, you do it all again. So you you try to you develop the new algorithm you test it again you show that it still behaves like it was supposed to behave like, like the other and you release a new version of, of that product we start having the the frontiers of of this is the continuous learning that's um because what i described to today and for instance in europe this is manual 
So there is no yes. continuous AI. You 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 need to retrain the model, submit the model to a human person to to see it. What FDA starts doing, and together with the UK exploring, is how how can this work in a continuous way? So they move the regulatory scope to validating what is the outcome of the algorithm, to making sure that you have a process that is robust to catch anything that happens out uh, out of the software. So they will make sure that you can auto-regulate yourself. So you have a development process with good manufacturing, good machine learning practice, uh, like the FDA calls, um, that allow you to iterate through the algorithm, but still it requires to have a human person uh, uh, to check in the middle, but no longer they will require you to submit everything uh, to a, a regulatory agency along the way. The challenge with generative AI is, is, totally, is, is, is totally a black box. And it's really hard to, to make sure that what you put as inputs will have a consistent output. Yeah. Um, and that is a big hurdle for, for regulatory wise, because at the same time, you have, uh, you have released the capability of AI as a, at the level that, that is amazing. So um, it becomes so easy for anyone to build a solution where you can book uh, um, uh, book an appointment speaking with someone that almost seems a human and it gets booked uh, without without need to covering a lot of things because because it it, it it translates this information to you. But at the same time, booking an appointment is something that is low risk if it gets misbooked. Uh, but if you are asking uh, ChatGPT, for instance, okay, I have these symptoms, what is my disease? And and it's really hard for doctor to 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 check if that connections between inputs and outputs are really uh, well taught. And at the same time, the regulators cannot just come and see if that connections were really well connected and robust, making sure. Uh, if you speak with ten people with uh, with the flu, that's the, it will give the the right answer to that people, and not say to two of them you have cancer, uh, or 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 or, yeah. or just say to people that have cancer you don't have anything, you don't need to go to the hospital. Then it becomes a really hard uh, a challenge. Um, yeah. That and. And now patients are seeing more and more the potential. Doctors are seeing more the potential of, of AI. It's not just a risk score there. It's something that really can help uh, and replace a lot of the work, but at the same time, um, a challenge that we don't know how to make sure that this, the quality, the, the safety and the security uh, will be there uh, all the time. And it comes down to the, the challenge I brought you in the beginning. The vaccines. We are in the point that we cannot assure that everything will work. It will yep. be interesting to start discussing how can we make sure um, that it is used, but we can control in a way. If if we really see that that is not behaving properly, we can act quickly, and so quickly that probably one one person get harmed and not millions of people. Because yes, and, and this is the tricky parts that change the mentality, change the way of we try to get approval of things, making sure everything is okay, 
but there is a moment that we either we stop innovation from happening that we will not bring this to to, to people uh or we need to move change the way we are more uh checking if things are working properly then just you know, avoid uh things to happen but this will be a challenge of the next years of dealing with this because either you want or not people will be using generative ai in healthcare they will be pushing for it there is a need for it and and doctors and hospitals and patients will say i prefer to 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 risk it uh, than not using it um, so it's really important for people to be aware of the risk more than just protect them for for the risk so this is some of the challenges and the things that we are passionate about on on building the future because we don't have answers nobody have answers but we need to, to work together because this will happen generative ai will happen and and is pushing ai yes. to the forefront of healthcare more quickly than we are expecting yeah yeah and you know there's uh, there's something uh, uh, you know a, a lot of buzz around responsible ai when when we talk about generative ai or ai in general in healthcare right i think one of the things that's kind of catching around is uh, you know uh, responsible ai wherein probably it still needs a little bit of manual intervention uh, because as you rightly said like you know things are kind of moving up and nobody knows how it's going to go uh, but so what's what's your take on it and do you feel um, is it too early to be used with patients what's what's your take on that um for what we have today it's generative ai is too early yeah. to 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 yeah. to with, with patients uh we've been seeing um a lot of a lot of discussions how do, i always give this example of appointments those kind of things, uh, I think, are simple things um, that generative AI can lower so much the cost in healthcare of replacing uh, bureaucratic work that is done now in hospitals. And if you look into the US, that is usually a reference market, just processing claims for insurance. This is something yeah. that, that, that is low risk for patients, so you are not killing yes. someone. Um, <laughs> So is where we'll see the AI being more used uh, early days. When it comes to help to treat, help help to diagnose, um, is areas where we really need to to make sure that who is using understands the limitations, um, and and we start developing technology that helps us to to make sure that things uh, really work. Um, um, this, this is usually the way you you come up with technology really has of time on certain things, but then you need to spend ten years making sure um, that that it works. Um, I start working in 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 my career with cell therapies, so how you could use cells to have the the functionalities of a medicine. And the big hurdles in the industry was you are injecting cells inside the human body um you see something happening so you, someone improves uh their healthcare, but you, you have no clue where the cells were going yeah. <laughs> right did they did they exit the, the body did they were destroyed in the process are they going to the brain and develop a, a cancer tumor in 10 years and and this is <laughs> interesting because a good example or the technology was there 
the challenges is to develop the technology that will help us to understand what is happening, how could we control things, and 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 the, a lot of the future will be now around generative AI. And you're speaking about responsible AI. What is the technologies? What will be the tools that will help us to make sure that um, what we develop fits on our values, on what we deem as safe, what we deem as as ethical, um, uh, and so on, because the requirements are there. Uh, in Europe, we are moving into an AI act that will require um, a, any AI to, to connect to the sources, to avoid bias, nice. uh, to, to show that you account for bias. That may be a simple thing, but we, we we see AI being using for cancer diagnosis in the skin. Something is not yet generative AI, but basic things that is discriminates against the skin color of, of, of the person because it was built uh, on top of a data database of white white male people in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and and what you will be seeing more and more is forcing you. To, to show that you really take into account the diversity of, of the population, that you really um, consider that not everyone has a white uh, uh, skin. Yes. Uh, so you need to make sure that that, that result uh, is, um, is tailor-made for the population. At the same time, it does not discriminate people because you could simply say, okay, this is a tool only for diagnosing a skin cancer in white. Uh, in white uh, people, but that is also yeah. an, an ethical that you have a part of the population that can benefit from AI and others <laughs> that cannot benefit. So this is a little bit the struggle. Uh, and, and, and what usually I say, the challenge with AI is so easy to build. You can have a kids in, in, in the university that's just do a project that, uh, that Seem that will be a, a, a high complex medical device if you think so, but you can do it in the projects in the course. Uh, but at the same time, the challenge is making sure that it's built correctly it will cost much more money than probably the cost of building it in, in first place. And that's the challenge with yep. software. It's more easy to build it uh, <laughs> and then, then, then making sure that, uh, it works properly. And that's why it's important yes. to work with, with with companies that are experts on things, that know what they're doing, that have a lot of this expertise in-house, than just working with someone that just give you the best right to develop codes. And then that's why it's nice to see companies like you that's really focused on software because uh, in, in healthcare because you bring a lot of knowledge of different projects, how to build it, um, that you can bring uh, as expertise to others, um, to other projects. And this is really valuable uh, in the markets. It costs more, but we need to acknowledge that, uh, that building code for healthcare is not just building the codes, is everything that yes. is around that. Yes. Uh, no, uh, uh, I totally, totally agree. Uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts. I think, I think those are some really, really important points that needs to be considered. Uh, you know, when when we are talking about the usage of the latest or the or uh, you know uh, the new tech, um, especially generative AI. You know, and I think, I think those are those are some really great points. Um, so you know, uh, I would like to understand. So. 
how did you generate interest on the healthcare and technology side of things like combining both of them would, would love to understand a bit more on that as i told in the beginning i'm a biomedical engineer uh, so my interest i was i was about to become a doctor and and go study uh, medicine um but when i start thinking what i would like to do um i oh i want to build uh machines or, or software that helps to, to, to help people, not necessarily to be the one speaking and taking care of, of people as doctors do. So that's why I understood, okay, let's go to biomedical engineering. Um, and then I start developing during the course more than a technical interest, a more uh, a interest more around management, uh, building companies, taking products into the market. So the innovation components, um, and I really got uh, interesting on the challenges that is bringing something into the markets in healthcare. It's not because you are saving persons that you will have a business. It's not because you can build it that someone will use it. Um, and you have just a, a tricky ecosystem and, uh, and business models and how it works uh, that for me is quite challenging in, in, uh, intellectually. I even had a detour um, into the blockchain space. So I was part of the first initial coin offer that we did that was done here in Portugal, building uh, PayPal for cryptocurrencies. So something that let's just say quite basic, quite a good business oh. in, in the end, uh, but, but basic in the technology wise, basic in the business model. So I decided eventually, okay, um, Let's come back to, to healthcare. I'm missing the challenges of, of trying to figure out how can I bring something that I know patients want, doctors want, but still I need to come up with a business model that fits the way payers want to pay for it. Uh, yeah. The same way, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know that AI works that I can diagnose uh, people, but I still need to work in a way yeah. that I make sure that um, I do it in a way that uh, that is safe, and it's in quality. So the challenge of engineering and business collecting these topics for, are, for me are much more interesting in healthcare than in other areas. And that's the passion of working in healthcare. Then of course, you all have always the impact of people uh, seeing how technology really can change people people's life. And the challenge of how can we promote adoption of technology? We are now today bringing technology that we already working 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and that, that's why I say with generative AI, the challenge of generative AI is that it becomes so accessible today that we are rushing it in, into healthcare uh, many of, in many areas where traditionally this technology will take 20 years to mature to be able to reach patients. Uh, we are still discussing about telemedicine. We discussed telemedicine in, 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 uh, during the COVID times. And we have been doing telemedicine for 20, 30 years, <laughs> right? It, it probably got uh, came to limelight during COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But that, that's the point. Adoption of technology in, in healthcare is the biggest challenge. Um, yes. And both because you need to make sure that things really work. Um, I usually compare healthcare with uh, aviation. The time it takes something to enter an airplane 
it takes time because you don't want to test yeah. while in, in flight. You can do it in cars, probably. It's much easier. <laughs> like if your car just break down, I just see the other day a battery of an electric car that just fall off of the car. Okay, who died? Probably no one. But if you, if you have a motor of an airplane that just uh, falls down, you don't want to play uh, with technology there. So that's why the adoption of technology often takes time in, in, in healthcare, in other areas. You don't want to, to test things with patients, with, with people's lives, patients' lives. So yes. it's always important to take this into, into, into consideration. But at the same time, innovation is there. So either either you adopt and 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 are able to promote adoption quicker in a safest way, or you'll see a lot of of things uh, in the market that that are not quality or safe, and people don't understand the difference. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a that's a very valid analogy. Uh, you know that uh, you know, and I was gonna I was gonna talk about barriers to adopting these technologies in healthcare, right? And you mentioned one of the things is we have to be really really careful and uh, take all the measures before uh, you know we actually implement. And resume things won't help because you never know how how things are going to turn out right which which is which is probably one of the biggest barriers when it comes to healthcare and adopting new technologies no i i'll even add on barriers that when you bring new technologies new tools and a lot around digital health and digital tools feels that you that you are quite uh, experts in, in um as i said the challenge is never the technology you are in the process of changing uh, a culture you're changing procedures so you change to you need to change an organization how they did it, and you have the challenge of um, doctors. Still today, in many places, they are not taught how to deal with technology. Um, they are taught how to prescribe a medicine, but they are not taught how to prescribe an additional health app or to speak with an AI system and and understand its limitations, understand to differentiate what is good or what is bad. They know how to do it for a medicine. They don't know how to do it with technology. So when you bring new technology to the hospitals, naturally you have a, a group of people that are not familiar how to deal with these technologies. So they will push back. Um, and the, one of the mistakes that we often see um, with companies, but also with hospitals or other players bringing technology in, in, inside, is that they budget the technology. The, the, the cost for the technology, but they don't budget the cost of teaching, educating people, promoting adoption, yeah. and this is and this is the biggest barrier uh, because unless you you really educate people um, and 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 show them how they can trust what they are using as technology and how to deal with that, it will be really hard for many of the technology to to really scale up. Uh, we saw st startups on on. Thing like one week um, working with a clinic, uh, this is really um, uh, amazing technology. Will help us to support much more patients, doing tele telemonitoring, tele tele rehabilitation, and so on. But then they leave the clinic, it gets stuck in the closets because they, yeah. people go back to how they do things before. Um, is is they are dealing with people's lives, so they so they they are even more prone to do things how they 
did it before because it's what they feel comfortable that will work or at least they can control. So, so it becomes really challenging and, and we are seeing more and more companies skipping the, the traditional health uh, hospitals or the traditional clinics and building their own kind of, of uh, service providers. So there is a big fear now in the, in the US, how Amazon or Google, they are not skipping the hospitals. They stopped trying to work with the hospitals. They are now starting providing directly service to patients, to people, uh, or embedding their own healthcare professionals in their service that, that know how to, to do and work with technology. Um, because then the, the cost of adoption is much lower and they can sell directly to, to who can benefit. Um, and these some trends that, that, that we'll see uh, as barriers, because when you try to bring into traditional healthcare, you'll face these barriers. Um, yeah. If you try to build it on your own, the payment system is not necessarily tailored for what you're building. Um, and the, and this is this is a tricky tricky challenge of of barriers for digital health for technology that goes beyond what what healthcare professionals are used to to work and deal with. Interesting, yeah, <laughs> really really interesting. So you know, uh, from barriers to opportunities. So I, I would like to understand what do you feel. Uh, you know, what are the future opportunities, especially in health tech, uh, health tech and overall innovation related to health tech? As I, uh, I, sh I shared with you, um, there is a, a lot of things that uh, AI and digital health can uh, automate, uh, even in the bureaucratic management of healthcare, that we have now healthcare professionals spending too much time doing things. Um, on that side, that while they could supporting uh, patients, um, a, a fact that we need to understand is we have um, a population that is getting older and older. Because of that, more and more people get more and more diseases because they live longer. Um, at the same time, um, it's more uh, you you have many countries that are getting more access to healthcare. So, so it means that you even need more professionals uh, to support. And the truth is that you cannot have more professionals at the pace you need, uh, you need them. Yeah. So the only way we can have a sustainable uh, healthcare system, the, when, the only way we can pay for it uh, is to use technology to scale things. Uh, um, Amazing, so yeah. This is, our, this is the opportunity we, we need to focus. We can start the low hanging fruits, like I was saying, booking appointments, uh, processing insurance claims, uh, a lot of things that are manually done. And how can we focus the work of, of those people in, in the work with, 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 with patients? Uh, I see a future where, where AI will be guiding the doctor on what needs to be done. Um, so you can have much more access to healthcare, but still have access to the doctor. Because if you're just hoping to have a doctor for each person, you'll never be there. We tried in Portugal to have a doctor for a, for a general practitioner doctor for each person. We budgeted as a government. In the last years, we, be, we had 
less people with doctors than we had before. And the goal was to everyone to have a doctor. It was not because of the lack of the money. Um, it's because we don't have enough doctors. Um, we could not recruit the doctors uh, needed. Um, and, and that's a challenge. We need to understand that we cannot still do things that we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago is not sustainable. We need to embrace technology to scale as much as much things as, as possible. And that's how we can make healthcare more accessible. Um, either uh, other way, we will not have enough people to support the needs of both uh, a population that's getting older and older. At the same time, um, the majority of the population in the world that are becoming uh, less poor, let's say, or richer, so they now want healthcare. They now uh, want to access healthcare. They now can access healthcare, but we don't have professionals to provide it um, yeah. to them. So we need to scale it definitely uh, in some way. The tricky is will will we see technology being more adopted in the um, in US, in Europe, when we have already pretty established uh, healthcare systems, or start seeing digital health becoming a way of delivering healthcare in South America, in Africa, in Africa, in Asia, in other countries that are building healthcare systems from scratch many of the times. So they have the opportunity of of not changing things, but building things in a, a new new way. So these are opportunities that we need to look into um, for technology, because in the end, this is all about people. This is all about change. Uh, I started an engineer, and my work now is dealing with people. How I convince people to change? How I help organizations to change so they can adopt technology? Yeah, yeah, no, amazing. And you know, again, thank you for sharing your input. So my final question, uh, you know, is so what's next for Complier? And uh, you know, as you scale, what impact do you think it'll create in the health tech or healthcare space? the same rationale that i was telling you about the lack of medical professionals for healthcare we are facing that um in the regulatory space uh for 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 medical devices so europe just uh, asked for a lot more evidence and requirements we are having now ai being regulated so the cost of of developing something is increasing at the same time, we see a trend in healthcare of decreasing the costs because we cannot pay for innovation at such high price as we were paying before. Um, and at the same time, you need much more people to do this kind of work. So we have, we are in this kind of bottleneck also in the world for sites. That is either we have more people, hospitals, pay more for technology, so we make sure that uh, all the compliance and checks were done properly, uh, or we find a way to automate things, digitize things, and making sure that the, uh, the same person that was doing this before can now comply with all the new requirements, all the new uh, legislation that is coming. Um, and we only see that way on uh, enhancing and digitizing the most of the work that they are doing. And this is uh, our mission as Complier on what what many of, of, of the of the touch points uh, that are burden 
for companies to 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 comply um can we take on so they can focus on the on the more higher um expertise that is needed but the basics are are, are as fluid as possible uh, we see as config uh, um, a vision where you can submit things to enter fda and then you want to go to to india or to china uh, and you you can click in a button it gives you okay um, we already prepared the submission for China. There's still some missing things that you need to co to complete from your sites uh, that we don't have, that we cannot use things that already have. You fill it down and one day you are submitting something to China, something that probably will take you three months, uh, a new yeah. team of consultants and so on to do so, uh, to make it widely available. And, and this is a vision we are seeing as a future for us completely. How, how can we scale as much as possible um, to to cover the, the the burdens of the team because we 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 are seeing something is companies are not being able to to hire more people to to do the compliance so either we help those people to 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 focus on the challenging parts of the technology and the compliance their evidence collection and take away the the rest of the burden or what we will see is that they will not be doing what they should be doing. And that will have an impact on, on having products that are not compliant and secure in the markets, um, lack of quality of things, or it, they become so expensive that in the end, nobody will going to pay for it, even if they are helping people. And we are seeing this already in Europe. Many companies, they are deciding we are not um, certified, we are not adapt to the new regulations certain products because they, they don't generate enough money for us to, to justify mm -hmm. it. Uh, what we call orphan medical devices. So medical devices are only for 1,000, 2,000 people in, in, in Europe because it, it addresses specific uh, need, a specific disease. But there is no business case for 2,000 people uh, often and, uh, and healthcare is not willing to pay for that. So how can we help uh, on reduce so much the cost of burden of uh, regulatory compliance that these products do not need to to, to go out of the market? So this is uh, what we want to build in the future um, and contribute in the future as as Compliar and as a, a platform tool for for increasing number of technologies, especially on digital health and software. This is what is booming now uh, in in the fields. Amazing. So, uh, you know, all the best with that vision, uh, Miguel. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on generative AI and other technologies and the barriers to use them in healthcare and opportunities related to, to the same. I think it was a wonderful conversation. I hope everybody else who's watching this has enjoyed it as well. And thank you and would love to stay in touch. No, thank you for the invites.